the end of an era on the Ingle Radio podcast. We'll get into that in just a little bit. Uh, brought to you by the Hockey Shop source for sports line lay, thehockeyshop.com. Check it out right now. We have a championship tandem on the Sense Arena feature interview today. And the gear segment revolves around the E-Flex 6 and the customizer. A whole bunch to dive into as Cam and company really lay it on the table for everybody as we bring in the co-founders of Ingoal Mag, Kevin Woodley and David Hutchison. Uh, gentlemen, we've got some uh, great late season heroics happening around the National Hockey League right now. Uh, so much fun to watch the guys coming in, different battles for roster spot. Who's going to be a starter for the Stanley Cup playoffs? And then you've got this group just making their mark. Uh, let's start with Devin Levi and, and what's happening. Did did we expect him to be the guy in this push for Buffalo to get in, Hutch? I don't know. I sure didn't expect him to be. I wasn't even sure he was necessarily going to get a game, although I figured he probably would if they were bringing in him in at this time of the year. And uh, we were excited to see him get that game and to play so well. We've all been really cautious about the hype and everything people are putting on him. You know, still a really young guy coming into the league is not an easy thing to do. And yet uh, Buffalo seems to be running with him here and they're doing really well. He wins and he wins and he wins and he even wins when uh, he doesn't come up with six saves. Reference to Pete Fry there. And uh, still battles through and manages to get the win. And of course, that's all the general managers want. So what are you, what are you thinking, Woody? Well, I, I, like we played the clip last week um, in terms of the mindset and uh, what sort of, I don't say separates this kid, but his approach, his mental approach, like is just so beyond his years and the maturity. And I thought it shone through again when he had the shootout win, as you said, after not coming up with six saves, you know, he, he you know, this is like he said, this is the NHL. Those are going to happen. And just, you know, the mindset is so impressive. The technical game is really impressive. And so as much as I worry about the hype levels as well, just because of the age and inexperience at this level, and it is it is the national, um, as we said last week, like if anybody can handle it, it might just be this kid. And so um, he's just such an impressive young goaltender. He's a goalie geek like us. Um, he gets right into every aspect of the position. And of course, in honor of our Featured guest sponsor, Sense Arena. He's one of their number one users of the virtual reality tool. Uses it on game days as well. So, you know what? He's, I've said this before. You guys are like, I always love the no stone unturned goalies, right? The ones that are always looking for ways to get better. And yet, over the years, I've learned that there are catches that come with that. There have been times where we've seen a guy where I've loved the fact he's looking for new things and no stone unturned type of mentality. But sometimes you can start chasing change for the sake of change. And, you know, we had this conversation with Mike Condon about Devin Levi when Mike was on the podcast. And of course, he coached him at Northeastern the last two seasons. And the ability for Devin to balance that, to do all these extra things, but not be consumed by them. I think it's just another sign of the maturity and the mental strength that this kid brings to the National Hockey League. And so as surprising as his success is just because of the inexperience, maybe we shouldn't be uh, that surprised overall. It's a great, fun story right now. It's going to get complicated in September. That's just the reality of it. The way he's played, the, the, how much he's played, uh, with the expectations on him, that's when the organization is going to really have to be delicate on 
how they go forward with him. I hope they're cautious because as much as there are some cases where guys have gone straight to the show and played at a high level, really caution is probably the the way to go here. Um, it's, it's a team that's going to be sort of transitioning. They certainly hope from maybe on the cusp of the playoff to being a playoff team, a little bit of extra level of pressure. The hype of the end of the season here is going to add some pressure. Personally, I'd like to see him have, have a little bit of a, a break, so to speak, going down to the minors, playing in the American League for a little while and getting his feet wet and, and really getting comfortable in the pro game because things are going to get tougher and, uh, and let's let him get comfortable there. But I got a feeling that Kevin just wants to play the other side of this. Devil's advocate. And yeah. listen, I'm with you. Go I'm like, I'm with you because remember, like, remember when Carter Hart sort of broke this barrier and like spent half a season in the American League and then was up and had all that success. And God, I wrote stories. Like, because Carter Hart looked to be the tip of the iceberg here. Hart came up and then Mackenzie Blackwood came up right after that at a young age. And you know, Thatcher Demko's people certainly took note of the fact both these goalies were having success in the NHL and put pressure at the time on the Canucks to get him up by the end of that season. And I, I remember writing stories about, hey, after all this talk about goalies just take longer, are we seeing this next generation ready to step right into the National Hockey League? Spencer Knight. Well, where are we now a few years later? Right? Like, Carter, Carter's back. Carter's certainly back. But there was a dip. And some of that is team performance related. But it was a lot. Mackenzie Blackwood, some of it is injury related, but hasn't been able to sustain that early level. And the thing you lose by playing them so much early is the ability to send them back to the minors, right? Like once you've played enough games, you can't, you have to clear waivers and it's a different threshold for goalies. And so it was a reminder to me, maybe a little bit of that old adage that if you have time, use it. And so hopefully the Sabres can, can find that balance. And yet, and yet I am finding myself devil's advocate here just because of what we're seeing so far, not from the results standpoint, it's more the mindset standpoint. And the other thing that separates Devin is the, how well he processes and reads the game and goes to school on connecting the patterns of the game. And there's a little part of me that wonders if, because we've heard this before, that aspect can be easier at times in the National Hockey League because there are less mistakes than the American League. It is less scrambly. Those patterns are easier to connect and to process and to read. And it's one of the you know, one of the real strengths of his game. And so I'm with you. And because of past mistakes, making bold declarations and stories, you know, I, I, I think it would probably be prudent to have patience here. And yet there's a little part of me that's still tempted to say, let's see it. Well, uh, hey, we, we all want to see it. That would be a ton of fun. And guaranteed he's a guy who's got a great mindset and can handle bumps. However... Has he been in the position where he's had to lose before and deal with that? Because he's played for some really good teams, and of course he's been a huge part of them being really good teams. But has he played on a team with that, that level of pressure of maybe making the playoffs, maybe not, of course, with, uh, with the pressure of the pro game layered on top of that? I think that's going to be an extra little test for his, his mental situation for something him to, for him to work with uh, going forward. And I think you want to handle that really carefully. I think the, the baseline of where the decision has to go is what are the organization's expectations of their group? Do they want to make the playoffs? Do they expect to make the playoffs next year? Well, that requires a little bit more influence on putting your number one goaltender in the mix. And if he's your number one goaltender, 
that might rush the job. If it's not the expectation to be in the playoffs, then take your time because you it's not like they don't have goaltenders. They, they and they have a top prospect in 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 goal right now and you can you can ride that and and maybe accomplish both. And he's got to play games too as a prospect, right? Like Uka Pekka Lukanen ready to step into the National Hockey League. I think he's shown that he deserves a shot here. Do you want Devin Levi to be your number one guy in the National Hockey League next year and play 50 games? Or do you want him to be able to be down in the American League and play that level, that number of games and, and maybe just a bit of a safer situation for him? Yeah, I don't think you want him to be on your roster in the National Hockey League to play 20 games, Kevin. No, and honestly, like this is this is this is actually gonna be a tough offseason for them because they've got Comrade under contract next year and you guys have heard me talk about lowest expected save percentage in the league, toughest defensive environment in the league. That's what Eric Comrie's played behind this year. Um, and for long stretches, he's played well above it. Uh, so I'm assuming Craig Anderson retires, although we've made that assumption before and been proven wrong. And then it's the two kids in UPL and Devin Levi. And so if you are saying we need to be a playoff team next year and you do decide to go into the goaltending market, you're not going in at the low end of it. And if you're buying at the high end of that market, you're usually not just buying for money, you're buying for term. And so how do you balance those two factors? Even if you feel Devin needs time in the American League, it probably ain't going to be much. So how do you balance that? So I don't envy the decision makers there, um, but I guess it would be a lot worse if you didn't have any options. And they've got some really impressive young ones. And, I, and by the way, I still include Eric Comrie in that group. I'm sorry. Uh, I know a lot of people look at the raw numbers and 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 are quick quick to dismiss his performance this year. But when I look at the adjusted stuff, um, they're still there there for me with Eric Comrie. I don't see Buffalo getting into the market you don't? For, for goaltending. No. I don't foresee that happening with what they have and the possibilities to come in and rise up, whether it's Ukapakalukanen or whether it's Devin Levi, or whether it's Eric Comrie, uh, that would be money poorly spent if one of the guys in-house raises the level of the game. And don't forget that those numbers of Eric Comrie's, the defensive environment Kevin is talking about, that's what Devin Levi effectively would be stepping into too, and that's what you're asking a first-year guy to do. Well, I, I think the one thing we should clarify here too is like Buffalo hasn't been a great defensive team, but one of the reasons that Eric's are so low is because he's the guy that was in there when they were missing both Matias Samuelson, who's such a key part of sort of, we've heard a lot about Ekholm going to Edmonton, and it's not just about how good Ekholm is the defenseman, it's how it slots everyone else in where they should be. When Samuelson's out, nobody slots where they should be. And he also had a bunch of games when both Samuelson and Darlene were out. So he just got the short end of the stick in terms of when they, they're a team that relies on defensemen and defensive skill as opposed to system structure in a five-man unit. And so when you start missing pieces, and they're young pieces. You think of Owen Power and even Darlene not being, you know, super long for the league. Um, it just it puts a really big onus on the goaltenders. They give up more slot line seam plays than anyone in the league, and that's that's a tough ask over time. At least when Eric's been in there, that's been what he's faced. From the future is right now with the fact that uh, Devin Levi has burst out of the scene to trying to reclaim some of the past. What do we think of the play of Alex Lyon and what he's been able to do to influence things in a late season surge from a club that has been looking for something to grab onto all year? Here's a 30-year-old hockey player 
who hasn't played 40 NHL games in his career, and he's swimming in the deep end and looking pretty solid. Hammergler part two, baby. Like this is maybe not as long a stretch as Andrew Hammond went on with Ottawa, but it's just as impressive. You know what? Alex Lyon has had stretches. I don't want to say like this in the past, but there've been other times and other teams where he's, he's been needed to come up in, in sort of an emergency role and play games. And he's always sort of, he's had, he's had a pretty decent level of success. He's, he's a guy that I wonder if, you know, again, in terms of reading the game and processing the game, Sometimes he might be better suited for the national than he is for the American Hockey League. Outside of that, like my biggest Alex Lyon, like without having dug in and looked at the numbers deeply or had a chance to really catch up with anyone around him this season um, or watch closely. Like the thing I think of when I think of Alex Lyon is Spencer or sorry, is uh, Thatcher Demko telling us about the role Alex Lyon played um, when he was back when, when Thatcher was backing him up in juniors. Like Alex Lyon was one of the guys that. Thatcher Demko looked up to. And here we are all these years later, like Thatcher's established as a number one and Alex Lyons sort of come up from the minors and might save the Florida Panthers season. It's a great season. It's a great story and good on him for under this amount of pressure playing as well as he has. Cause I know reading some of the interviews, even earlier in the year when he got opportunities and came up and played really well, like there's a real, you, he gives off a sense and he says things that make you feel like like he really does believe he belongs and can play at this level. And he's showing everyone that that's the case down the stretch here. Veteran guy has to believe in himself. He's, he's, he's done everything he can. And he's at the stage of his career where you either got it or you don't got it. Yeah, yeah, I know. You're 30. I'm just gotcha. thinking what a great story it is and how much I love it for all those other guys who are still trying to to grab onto the career, maybe maybe not quite at the same level that Alex Lyon has right here, but there's so many guys that are 27, 28, 29, still haven't had their shot and and are yearning for a chance. And I think this is just a, a fantastic story. Um, you referenced the numbers there, Kevin, for people who haven't seen so far. Uh, wasn't it 56 out of 58? He stopped the other night in a fantastic game against Ottawa. Um, last five games, he's riding a 96.6 save percentage, and we're one period into a game today as, as we're recording, and he's uh, shutting out Washington. Um, oh, gosh. I'm not allowed to use that word, am I? I don't believe in that. Go. I don't believe Did in you, that, so it's okay. To... No, that, you know what? You know what? The only person that What's ever that? says that is the person that utters the word. You think so? Really? You know what you he just so? said? Yeah. yeah the the, the only reason that. why anybody tries to... So it's a totally covering your six. I did. I That's did. all you're yeah, trying you're to right, do right did. now. Because you do believe in it. Because you wouldn't say it if it was me or if it was your son or if it was your best friend <laughs> in goal. Uh, you would never say it. You accidentally said it. Well, now you're trying well, to cover your you're six. My best friend, I never have to say it when Woody's in net because there's no chance it's happening. I was going to say, you might as well say it like when they drop the puck. It's pretty much you got over. two minutes. Yeah. Before it happens, yeah, but it's a it's an awesome story, and I hope Alex Lyon is the reincarnation of the Hamburglar here for sure. Okay, so Jinx is like you said there. Did you guys see Roberto Luongo respond to uh, Scott Oak today? Because Scott Oak has our good friend John Garrett Cheech is on uh, tonight. Will be his la- last national broadcast as part of Sportsnet doing the Canucks their last home game against the Calgary Flames, and he's on after hours, and so he. Scott Oak put out a, a request for questions and Roberto Luongo responded and said, yeah, could you ask him why he jinxed my shutout streak against the Colorado Avalanche all those years ago? Oh, that's awesome. That would be Cheech. 
Absolutely, Cheech. He wouldn't buy into any of that stuff. And he'd look at and stare it down. Uh, as far as coming up late season or late in your athletic career, can we tall, call this hamburger comparison or like Tim Thomas-ish? Now, there are a lot of work has to happen when you get to Tim Thomas, but Tim was really late when he came back over and, and got established in the National Hockey League. Yeah, and a matter of fact, and we've told this story, we've written this story. Uh, we talked to Tim quite a few times over the years uh, during his career about, and everybody knows the story, like not only was it late, but the season had happened, he was already in Finland. He'd already gone back. He'd already given up and he ended up coming back to North America that season and starting a run that, had, what, like how many, how many Vezina trophies? Conn Smythe in 2011, two Vezinas, I think it was. Like, so there's work to do if you're Alex Lyon to be the next Tim Thomas, but there's... Yes. There's proof in the past that it can be done. He's, he's in Hamburglar territory, but you're asking a lot to get to Tim Thomas territory. But I hope yeah. for him he does. Yeah, I'm, I'm just raising the bar. Uh, just trying to find the, uh, the, the pearl underneath the stone in the water and uncover that gold right there. Just like the Toronto Maple Leafs are trying to do right now. They have the best of every approach. Medical, coaching, uh, whether it's training. Uh, management, uh, they everything is duplicated beyond belief, and now they're trying another different path, not traveled, and that is starting a game with the e bug as the backup. I'm shocked. This is where you lose me a little on the be e bug. I listen, and I know people hate it when I say this stuff. It's a five billion dollar industry emergencies happen. The fact that you can have e-bugs with all these great backgrounds, potentially get into games because of injuries in the game and not having a third goalie around. I'm willing to live with that. Even if I think we could go the way of bullpen catcher and have somebody on each team capable of doing the job and also help out in practices. But hey, emergencies, I get it. But when we're actually doing it without an actual emergency, when you've got an injury to your backup, but plenty of time to get somebody in and you just elect not to because of salary cap concerns and the decision to want to make sure you have more players dressed up front, this is where I scratch my head a little bit. And this is where I think you run the risk of it going from a novelty to a bit of an embarrassment. There's a billion dollar organization in a $5 billion league. And as good as it is for Jed Alexander and as happy as I am, I am. Uh, Easy for me to say, as happy as I am that the University of Toronto goalie gets this opportunity, there's also a big part of me that's like, man, like, what are we doing here? I'm sorry. No, I apologize to all the e-bug, you know, um, No, no, don't apologize. It's, it's not an embarrassment. It's, it should be illegal. You should have two goaltenders to start every game. That should be a rule, a hard and fast rule. And they both have to be a professional part of your organization. And the fact that this is happening in uh, a city where you have your American Hockey League team in the same area code. I know 905 is, is a bit of a stretch right there. But, uh, but the fact that all of it lines up to have perfection and you're still going down this path because of salary cap issues, it should be illegal. If I could just be the devil's advocate, it's my turn with Woody this oh, time. Oh, you're just trying to kiss up because you ruined the shutout. No, I just want to say the opposite of Kevin all the time because it's more fun. <laughs> no, just in fairness to Jed Alexander, like a second ago we were talking about, and, and I'm not saying he's Devin Levi, but a second ago we were talking about Devin Levi stepping from American University hockey into the National Hockey League. What a great story that is. 
And now we've got a guy stepping from the University of Toronto, U Sports Hockey. Most of the players in U Sports Hockey have come from major junior hockey. A lot of people would argue they could compete with NCAA teams based on largely their age and experience. So this guy can play goal. He's got a 927 save percentage in U Sports Hockey this year. It's not like sure. we've called out the Zamboni driver here. So just to be fair to no, him. No, but they've got other people in the organization no, that could fill sure, this role. For sure, for sure. Sign him up then. Yeah. Sign him to a freaking contract. Well, but then then we've got to get rid of the then we've got to get rid of the rule that you have an amateur c- tryout contract at all and then it can't apply anywhere else. But anyway, I just wanted to to say that out for Jet. I mean, the guy's a goaltender. He's not a he's not a Zamboni driver with all due respect. But I do agree that's with fair. you that that's that fair. they are sort of circumventing the camp cap through this and I don't think that that's correct. Now all this said, yeah, I hope he get, I hope he gets into the game. Heck yeah, I want to see it. Yeah, so like I, I'm a, I'm the ultimate hypocrite. I'm gonna the fence is crap. I'm sitting on that fence so hard I may not be able to walk for a week. Um, but again, like no, no, there's a big you're difference. You're not on here. the fence. You're not on the fence. You're totally on my side of the fence. But if he gets in, you'll climb the fence for a better view. That's what you'll do. <laughs> all right. Well, that's good. Except for the except for the whole two out of shape to climb a fence thing. That's perfect. Will he get to? sit on the bench yes because he's starting does he the have game. to fill it uh, he does yeah if you're starting the game he has to sign an amateur tryout he's contract already signed the contract the so he's not an e-bug in that respect yeah. he signed the amateur tryout so he's on the bench. they gotta find another they gotta find another e-bug for the actual e-bug job tonight that's the only time darren is when it's ahead of the game and they know they need a backup as opposed to in a game emergency situation you do sign the contract and sit and, on the bench and i hope and that, how many and times I, has this happened well, he's done it before. Oh, no, he didn't actually yeah. get to sit on the bench the last time. He was with Colorado for a game, but uh, had to stay in the in the room for that one. It's happened, though. I don't know the number. Oh, I mean, it, it's, it's happened many times. Yeah. So I've, I've, cover, I've covered a handful of them. Were they on the bench at the start of the mm-hmm. game? Yep. And, in, okay. and taking shots in warm-ups. Like, they're out there for the warm-up taking shots, which is a pretty cool moment. Like, there's a lot of really cool parts of this. Like, don't yeah, get Nashville, me wrong. Yeah, Nashville, I think, was one. And- I mean, I covered, a, like I said, I've covered a couple here with the UBC goaltender. Let's just hope above all else, no matter what happens in the game, uh, despite my objections uh, at the beginning of this, uh, that the boys that wear blue pass that hat around I'll, and uh, and Jet gets taken care of despite the amateur tryout contract. Because I'll never forget that here in uh, one of the ones here in Vancouver was, um, oh, and I'm cramping on the name, might have been Jordan White, I think, with yeah. the San Jose Sharks. And Jumbo Joe Thornton led the passing of the hat after the game for Jordan White, and he did very well. Thank you very much. And you don't have to report that in your W-2 or your uh, T-4. I, I don't think you should be allowed to sign him to an amateur tryout contract. If you're going to sit him on the bench, you should pay him like a National Hockey League player for the day. Yeah, but, then he wouldn't be, but then he wouldn't be there because they would have called up. A, that The whole reason he's there is because they can't afford I know, the salary cap. I know. I don't care. Can, I can still I ask want one more to get question paid. about this? Uh, is this the first time where the goaltenders uh, been the emergency backup signing an amateur tryout, starting the game on the bench because of salary cap? I don't because think most so. Most times it's because uh, of injury. I, or, or, somebody or listening is going to know the answer. Yeah. So or, I'm not or, an inability, or an inability to get a goalie there on time. That right. used to be a major problem here in Vancouver because they you know, had the incredible foresight to have their farm team in Utica, New York. Um, brilliant maneuver. But, um, you know, it, you know what, Darren, I actually want to say it has, and I'm going to Google the crap out of it while you guys keep talking. Okay. Well, I'm just, that's what to me, what makes this one unique 
if it's salary cap related and that's why you're in the situation, that's why it should be illegal and you shouldn't have that, uh, that option. You have to play six skaters. If you don't plan ahead through the salary cap, then you have to live with the consequences. Now, if it's, you can't get a goaltender there or uh, there's an injury or go down the list, if it's not uh, your fault, then I don't mind it. But if it's salary cap, because the salary cap is a hard, fast, in-place rule. You can't circumvent it. However, you hate the fact that it's an amateur e-bug coming into this game. And now you're creating a situation where you might have to dress a player. Fine. But that's... Then everybody can be mad at the at, at management. Somebody's actually mad. They're not getting away with it. This is a conscious decision. Yes. As I understand it, to use the ATO. It's smart, frankly, because if the loophole exists, use it. Because the, alter- totally. the alternative would have been to play short of your full bench up front and have a backup on sitting on the Which bench. Which people have done hundreds there of times. There you go. I'll, I'll go with right. that I'm one, not, Woody. I'm not overstating it by saying hundreds of times. They've done. They played short skaters hundreds of that times. That should happen. I but, agree. But this, and, and my compliment at the start of the conversation, Toronto has layers upon layers in every department. They are the most elite organization when it comes to experts and depth at experts. And this might be the loophole that they, that they found and, and others may follow suit. It. I just don't like it. That's all. Um, over uh, people listening to the podcast can't see this, but over Hutch's right shoulder, uh, that looks like a beautiful set of pillows, your right shoulder. Like it's I'm not camera, right? So it's the right. I like that white CCM pad. That, uh, that's it. that's an Axis two. Oh, I, I like it that. Beside it is an Axis one. Beside it is oh. a Cooper GP ninety five. Love those ones, and that's the best looking Cooper GP ninety five that I've seen in a long time. Like they, those are old leather pads, and those they, normally they get puffy at some part, but those are pretty straight. Well, as somebody once said about me as a goaltender. I must be really good at dodgeball. <laughs> Those pads haven't been uh, hit by yeah. too many pucks, despite the fact that they served me for about five years. I couldn't tell on camera whether it was a, an E-Flex 6 or whether it was an Axis 2, but uh, we're talking about the E-Flex 6 and the customizer today on the Hockey Shop. We are. But before we get to that, there are some sales going on because I'm, I'm going to actually preview and tease next week's gear segment. We wanted to make sure we brought the CCM E-Flex 6 this week because obviously the customizer is live. would encourage you to go check it out. And anytime a customizer goes live, that means you can order the pads. And where would you order them from? Well, if you want to get them sized right, if you want to make sure you have specs that work for your game, you're going to order them from Cam and his crew at the Hockey Shop and thehockeyshop.com. So that's why we got CCM E-Flex 6 and the customizer in today's gear segment. But that forced us to push back a sale. We'll highlight it next week. But some of you need to go check it out right now. They've got true sticks, true goalie sticks, warrior, a whole batch of warrior goalie sticks all on sale right now. Make sure you check it out at thehockeyshop.com. If you're in person at the Hockey Shop out in Langley, they got a huge selection. Discounts on these sticks. Now's the time to get them. Because remember last time we talked about there was a sale on the Vaughn undergarments? And literally... Within a few days, all the key sizes had sold out. That's the power of the Ingle Radio podcast. Uh, so I don't want to make you wait and miss out because we're waiting to next week to talk about the sticks in the gear segment. 
Go check it out on sale right now at thehockeyshop.com. Um, True and Warrior Sticks, uh, big batch of them on sale, deep discounts on both, a couple different models in the Warrior that you can save on. I think they're both around $50 off the regular price. Cam Cam found a bunch uh, that they were able to order and bring in, and it's a, it's a great way to head into the off-season uh, with a new twig. So make sure you check that out. And also, make sure you check out the CCM eFlex 6 Customizer online now, and we'll have Cam walk us through some of the features available for the first time in some cases uh, as part of the the retail the customizer launch and the retail launch to follow of the CCM eFlex 6. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop Source of Sports. I'm Cam, he's Kevin. Today we are going to talk about the eFlex 6 customizer is now live up on CCM's website, so you can place your order. That's the beauty, folks. We've told you before, customizer goes live. It's not just a chance to waste an entire weekend designing your dream set. Yes. It also means you can now order your set. You're going to design your dream set. You want to make sure it fits. You want to make sure you understand all the new specs. You go to the experts like Cam and ask them questions to make sure when you place that order for that beautiful design you've created, you actually get a pad and glove and blocker that meets your expectations and fits your game. And the most exciting part, Cam, of the eFlex 6 line to me is the new glove because it comes with a 581 break. And you're like, what's a 581? That's a 581. You might be familiar with the 591 that released with Axis uh, 2. So before we get into the nitty gritty, my apologies, folks. We should just tell you what it is. Basically, this is the new version of 580. And the beautiful thing is, it's going to be a stock retail option. For the first time, you can get a 580 style break in a stock retail glove when the eFlex 6 line launches and is on the rack here at the Hockey Shop and thehockeyshop.com later this spring and into the summer. In the meantime, it's custom order. So you want to know what a 581 is? Well, first show them the break because it's like a 580. Pocket over the shoulder, like by the ear, makes those saves. Available on the customizer. It's going to be the stock option. But as we see, as I was looking through here, I was a little confused because when I went to choose the, the options, cuff thumb options, I had 580, 581, 590, 600. So in the customizer, you can actually order the original 580 or the new 581 or 590 or 600 if you like it. Now let's quickly walk through 581. We don't want to show up too much, but basically this is their 591 converted to a 580. You get a better cleaner brake line gone is that old sort of two popsicle stick type of uh two break popsicle the, stick through, nice well remember we talked about how to fix your brake when it breaks yes because that style brake didn't hold consistently this one does other features show, show it off real quick index finger stall so excellent addition it's, it's there are no finger stalls much like the 591 but they've added a loop for the index and a better loop way for the pinky it. a little Correct. more control for goalies that felt fingerless gloves weren't for them again we were having that kind of a bit of an issue with that hand slipping as you were going to go close it now with that index finger basically locked in there yeah it's much point. easier to pull and wrap that glove around which yeah, almost you, goes hand in hand with that 580 style hand in hand no pun intended hey um the pinky loop as well uh if you want to have control on both sides you've got a pinky loop there uh, the whole theory behind not having 
you know, stalls in a glove is that we, our hand is strongest when we make a fist. We don't make a fist with our fingers extended. We get strength out of having it together. But I don't use the pinky loop, which can easily pull through. You can have that control on the index and still be able to make that stronger closing fist. So it's basically a 580 brake. By redoing the internals, they improved the seam line of the brake. They made the glove 15% lighter. You can really feel that weight, sorry. I mean, really kind of drive that home a little bit. ECM gloves over the years under previous construction started to feel heavy relative to other brands and they needed to take the internals apart and really sort of be able to cut that weight. And, and I think that now it's comparative to other brands, the way they were making it before, uh, when the Lefebvre's were making their gloves, it started to feel a little heavy compared to other brands and that's no longer the case. We talked about customizer, we're walking through too much of the glove. glove. We have focused on the glove a lot, but it is quite exciting, so. So the custom options, in addition to obviously designing your beautiful thing, you got your stiffness, got game ready, game ready without D3O, you got practice pro and pro without D3O. So those are your, those are your different stiffness options. So those are the options Look. there. Palm size, intermediate or regular. If you got small hands like Cam, you can order an intermediate. T pocket, double T, single straight T. On a 580 brake, this one came with a double T. I find that in the past, a 580's closed a little, get that little... More that of that little, duck bill? Yeah, with a single T. And so we ordered ours with a single T. You've got the options to do both. Palm material, Axe Wade Beige or Axe Wade Sure Grip Gray. Those are your options on the new CCM E-Flex 6 glove when you're in the customizer. Remember, there's Total Custom Pro. There's Total Custom. Two different options. When you get into the Pro, you get more options. But as I checked it on this one, you actually have the options on all the different brake angles at both levels of customization. Correct. All right, here's the pad. So Cam, as I'm walking through the customizer and I got different questions, first of all, I'm trying to figure out like what's new on the pad. And of course, we've got a full overview up at ingolmag.com. The DRS Pro Knee System. So they've integrated their new knee style that we saw on Axis 2, much more rigid, gets the pad to the ice quicker. We've gone through the science that CCM was sort of the first to discover that you can actually get a pad to the ice before your knee. So they secured it in Axis 2 and now it's secured in, in E-Flex 6. The question of course was, how do we maintain the flex of an E-Flex pad that, that people have come to know with that rigid knee? Because in the Axis, this whole inside edge that was connected to the knee and that's how they get that rigidity was one piece. Well, you can see the brake here. That's how they've done it. Tons of flexibility into the boot, below the knee, but from the thigh rise up, it is a noticeably stiffer pad. So the next question is, what are our options? Come stock with the DRS Pro knee. What are my options beyond that in terms of the thigh rise? We can half sizes, half size Correct. increments and the pluses all the way up to plus four. Toe bridge. We got HD toe bridge with skate lace, and I'm in the total pro, total custom pro customizer here, so all the options. Toe bridge with skate lace, um, HD wide screwed in toe bridge with skate lace, PU toe bridge with the three hole with a bungee, PU toe bridge three hole with a skate lace. The nice thing is, is that at any point too as well, if you are getting confused, you're like, whoa, what is that? But what beyond, are all those things that Kevin just rattled off? Exactly. All cam. Well, beyond calling me too as well, we do have a, a uh, PDF that's actually on the customizer itself and also linked into ingolmag.com review. You can download the 27 page cut so you can see the images. Shows exactly what it is. That come with these various options by Correct. scrolling through that PDF. Uh, let's quickly go through the other ones. Knee landing area. Uh, this comes stock. Oh. 
as long as you can hold on to it. Uh, this, this, 3D? Is, this is their 3D grip. This Correct. is a one-piece block, much like it was in Axis 2. It's got a layer of impact-absorbing foam, reduces impact. I think they measured, if I remember, something like 30% in terms of softening that blow uh, into the knee. You can also get it with old-school sure grip, though, yes. uh, much like uh, the pros used to prefer. The big one here, flex options. And again, I'm in Total Custom Pro. Go to that PDF, and you'll be able to see what those options look like basically how from the knee up how this pad you can you can have a little bit of control over terms of how this pad is built uh, leg channel we've got come stock tight fit qmss2 now that is a common e-flex qmss2 is of course basically the new strapping system that goes around the calf it's basically their version of a professor strap and interestingly enough despite the fact that this is a tighter pad like we said it's a tight fit leg channel the outer wrap around your calf is about an inch more recessed than the Axis 2 pad we measured it the other day. There is actually a little, you have the ability to loosen up that QMSS2 professor style strap over the calf more than you did stock in Axis 2. There were some feedback, we, including from us, that that was a bit of a tight strap. So Even myself, if you yeah. want to tighten this up, you have the range of motion on the Velcro, but they have extended the strap a little bit for those that don't want it to be too tight. So exactly. again, listening to the goalies and their feedback and incorporating that into the new pad. Stop, no bootstrap, but you can still get behind the heel or under the heel in terms of there are tabs here that you can add a bootstrap. On this to. particular pad, the pockets are there for the actual bootstrap okay. itself to add it in. So interestingly enough, by having a stiffer thigh rise, because of the knee system, it kind of matches pro preferences because for years what pros have wanted is that soft flex here and maybe into the bottom of the knee, but a stiffer profile through the thigh. And that's basically what this has created. You can order E-Flex 6 just as you could E-Flex 5 with a max rebound. So you want more active, lively rebounds, shoot that puck as far away, buy yourself time to recover. Or if you want to deaden it, you have the option to have their sort of more impact absorbing foam in that front layer as well. Now we're done with the pads, Cam. Grab the blocker. A blocker is just a blocker. Well, hold on. That's... It's lighter. Yeah. 15%. This is what happens when you redo the construction on it. Quite a different profile from years past. As you can see, we have updated much thinner profile as well. Having that more open... I love it. ...download cuff really is aiding in overall wrist mobility. Extra large. Let's go into the custom options. Palm size. Intermediate for cam, regular for me. I haven't seen the extra large before. That's cool. Palm material, Axoid beige with black palm or Axoid beige with sure grip. Again, we've seen that trend uh, from CCM and other brands. Less material in the palm, a little bit of a tighter, more player style fit. So right. you have a little more control. Uh, hand fit options, loose fit, regular fit. This one's uh, definitely a regular. Loose palm. fit will be a swap here. Yeah. Position centered or offset. So Correct. you can lower the palm position. One change that they've made to the stock blocker compared to the past. Dude, you know it, Cam. I get to put you on the spot. They changed the finger, the inner finger protection. Remember, the stock one was the pre-curved one before? Yes. And the curved one, again, listening to feedback from the goalies that used the pad, it had a tendency to get caught on the stick. Correct. And the gap was too tight and it would kind of flip over. And so they've gone to a straight one here. A bigger gap, easier to get that stick in there, no problem. Still have that extra protection of that extra layer. Again, listening to feedback from goalies, incorporating into the next generation. Uh, that was a lot of information. So we threw a lot at you. Yes, you have any questions? So 
get out there. I know it's Masters weekend coming up, but uh, golf on one, computer screen, going through the customizer on the other. That's a pretty good way to kill the weekend. I don't want to get off the couch. 604-589-8299, 1-800-567-7790.thehockeyshop.com or ingoalmag.com to check out their article Overview. on Netflix 6. And of course, we'll have a full review once we've got this product out and on our testers for longer. Some feedback cool match the specs. Yeah. yeah, there's no such thing as a cool on ice shot when you're the I, guy. I have multiple cool on ice shots. Net. Yeah, you're cool on ice, all right. All right, go watch the Masters. And design your custom order and then submit it to him. And there's a video version of that gear segment that will be available on YouTube and uh, subscribe. And you'll make sure that it's sent right to you as soon as it's up. And do make sure you check it out. Some weeks, we're just sort of simulcasting it as Woody puts it. Uh, this week, the actual video segment is almost twice as long as that already pretty lengthy gear segment. There was just so much in there. We tried to cut it down here for the audio version because obviously you can't see everything that they're talking about. Uh, but do head over to YouTube, check it out. And as Darren said, hit subscribe, hit like. We'd love it. Thank you very much. So when you go on ccmhockey.com uh, and you click on the customizer, there's two options, uh, total customize or total pro. Uh, what's the difference there? Total Custom Pro basically gives you every option that the pros have. So Total Custom still has a lot of options. Like um, you can get the new 581 glove we talked about in that review, which is to me the most exciting part of the new CCM Eplex 6 launch is the fact that for the first time, the stock retail glove is going to be a 580 style break. And obviously they've made some changes with the 581 um, they've improved the break, the way it closes, gotten rid of those old popsicle stick, sort of that thick line break that they used to have that used to leave you with bruises in your hand uh, and inconsistent closures that had to be reset every once in a while. Fingerless, but they've added a couple loops on the pinky and the index finger. So that's the 581 club. You can still in total custom, Darren, get 581 or 580, the original, or 590 or 600. Those are all options. At total custom level, total custom pro, there's just there's a few more options that aren't available. I could walk through all the different ones. I think I think one of them actually is like to give you an example on the strapping. Thatcher Demko and Jacob Markstrom both have an extra strap on the bottom of their calf, and though that is I don't believe available in total custom, but is available in total custom pro. So little details like that that you typically only see at the NHL level are only available in Total Custom Pro. And, you know, rather than have me walk through every one for the next 15 minutes because the gear segment was long enough as it is, just make sure you go to ingoalmag.com, check out our review, which outlines a lot of this. And if you have any questions, we've got a link to their customizer booklet, which is 27 pages, and it breaks down with photos all the different options at each level. So it's not, it wouldn't be just me giving you the verbiage, but actual photos showing you what that difference looks like on the pad um, so you can really get a feel for it. They did a really nice job of that with Access 2, and they've done it again with Eflex 6, that, that customizer booklet really explaining what the different options are and which level they're available at. When this started, remember, you could change a couple of sections of the pad, whether it's the outer rolls or... Uh, the bottom uh, third, 
there's like A, B, C, D, A, F, G, H, I, the whole alphabet of zones. It It is virtually at your fingertips with this. Yeah, you can do, I mean, that's just the color zones, right? Like you can yeah. do so much with pads now and this is just the nature of the beast, right? We're just in, we're seeing more and more and more custom options. And I think that's why Total Custom Pro matters. And of course, you know, we're going to see all out custom offered soon with CCM as well. And that's going to allow you to add custom graphics, just like you have with, with Bauer's DigiPrint program. So, um, you know, the options really are unlimited, uh, at least especially compared to just five, six years ago when, you know, it, it was a lot simpler. Um, the companies have sort of felt the pressure to, to bring more custom options to their consumers and, and you know, CCM. And you know, I think Bauer deserves a lot of credit too. They've, they've done a nice job of sort of expanding that list to mirror what pros have as well. Can't wait to see the right pad with in and then the left pad with goal as you line it up. Or it goes on the top of the, the, the pad on the thighs up top. And when you butterfly, it says in goal. I think you're going to have to have a chat with um, our lead design person as we're working on an E-Flex 6 set. You're in charge. Oh, really? There. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I wish I wish I'd talked to you a little earlier because that one got submitted. It looks hot. It looks it, it looks hot, but it, it doesn't quite have it doesn't quite have the graphics the way you outlined them. I, I'm starting to regret that. But um, yeah, it'll look good. Don't worry. I, I'm wearing my Ingle uh, swag today. Uh, thankfully, that was uh, transported by my buddy Garrett Callaway up with uh, Kevin Woodley, and uh, and those two. I'm I'd like now I create a, a buddies between those two. It's great we're bringing people together uh, with this. But uh, I'm I'm fascinated with the design. I, I have ideas. I just don't want to follow through on them. I need somebody to to really really take it down the road. Uh, hey, we hey, the, uh, that's the exactly what happens. Just for the record, really? no, no, seriously. But when you whether it's CCM or Bauer you're working with. You give them your sort of back of the cocktail napkin sketch, and then a real pro takes over and turns it into what it should look like on the pad. So you could absolutely do that. Because the truth Problem is, if I, my... I was left to design, and it would look like my six year olds when they used to color on the napkins at the at the restaurant before the meal came. With me, the challenge is getting the first cocktail napkin because by the time I'm done for the night, it's the uh, like eighth cocktail napkin, and that one's not working at all. <laughs> There's a big difference between those two drawings uh, on that one. Uh, it is the end of an era uh, with the Ingle uh, Radio Podcast. Uh, that's coming up after our feature interview presented by Sensorina, Sensorina VR. We've got the championship tandem uh, coming up uh, with uh, Carly Jackson and Elaine Chuli. Uh, this is awesome stuff, the Isabel Cup. Uh, and this is a fascinating, fun interview. And I love what they they talked about, the, the celebration uh, from the Isabel Cup and going to the uh, Mississauga Steelheads game uh, and then how much fun the intermission uh, show was there, there. but uh, brought to you by Sensorina, Sensorina VR. What do we got going, Hutch? Sensorina. Today, we've got the two for one feature interview, of course, with two fantastic guests with Woody and Sensorina, as we've told you before, has the three for one deal going on. There is a free trial. You get free sleeves for attaching the uh, Oculus controllers to your goalie gloves and of course, free shipping as well. So great chance to try Sensorina. It's a great time of year as so many teams have shifted now from their regular season into their off-season preparation. What are you going to do this summer so that you can be the best goaltender you can when the fall rolls around? And one of the things you want to do is face some great shots, maybe NHL shooters, something you can do in 
Sense Arena. In fact, you can also face PHF shooters. So another great opportunity to get out there and work on your goaltending. One of the things that I don't know if everybody realizes, though, guys, is Sense Arena also has a great app. So you don't just have to get into the Sense Arena system. You can op- open up the app on your phone. You can track your stats. You can check out your training programs and what you should be doing next. Uh, look at your different benchmarks. See how you're going. Getting great coaching tips from the whole Sense Arena team. Um, so it's it's way more than just that Oculus system. It's really a whole way to help you become a better goaltender, and it's worked for so many great goalies, including as we spoke about today, Devin Levi. So check it out for your off-season training this year. Head over to sensorina.com, use the code IGM50, and you'll get a little bit more off of your purchase price, or just try the free trial. If you've got an o- Oculus headset, go download it now and give it a go. Sensorina. Great deals everywhere. Uh, Sense Arena and our uh, feature interview this week with the uh, championship tandem. Woody? Yeah. Um, I don't want to give too much away. This is just a really fun interview full of great insights into what makes a great goalie partnership. Some great technical details that they share in terms of what they've learned from each other, how they've worked together. Um, talk about patience some great thoughts on sort of patience off the release, the kind of things that we we all always work to improve on. Um, it's just loaded. There's tons of great insights right down to how they do their vision training uh, to get better when they're not on the ice. And so, yeah, I, I really appreciate amidst a pretty good week of celebrations. And if you, <laughs> if you don't already, make sure you go follow the Toronto Six on social media because they do a great job of bringing you into those celebrations and bringing you into the life of this PHF team uh, and the championship they won. They've they've had a pretty busy week and they still made time to coordinate their schedules, get together and join me for a long interview that I think everyone else is going to enjoy as much as I did because it's loaded with great ideas, great insights, great thoughts on how you can get better as a goalie at every level of the game. Really excited to welcome to the In Goal Radio podcast, both first-time guests, Isabel Cup champions from the Premier Hockey Federation, recently crowned, still celebrating, if you followed them on social media, having a good time with Izzy, um, Carly Jackson, and Elaine Chuli. First off, congratulations. Yeah, thank you very much. Super happy to be here. Super happy. Yeah, to thanks, celebrate. Kevin. This is awesome. Okay, so... What's this week been like? Because, I mean, I saw the Leafs game. Um, I've saw a lot of references to Carly maybe never putting Izzy down. Like, you guys, have you enjoyed, you both enjoyed this celebration immensely by the looks of it? Yeah, you go first, too. Yeah, it's been, it's been good. A bunch of us stayed in Arizona um, a few extra days. We rented an Airbnb, so that was, that was super fun to have. Uh, most of the group actually stayed, though. Most of the group was together and dinners and day at the pool and stuff like that so that was pretty fun and then yeah continued uh we got home we had a sunday celebration at the ring with uh, our fans and then the leap game um so and then you you want to take from there you did a a few more things as well so yeah we went to city hall um in toronto as well which was pretty cool uh just nice to get recognized by by the community and then I think actually probably one of my favorite things is we went to the Mississauga Steelheads game last night and we were in a box and they had come up and asked us if we wanted to do the intermission game 
um, which happened to be, it's called like a burger race. So two people, you put on your one part of the bun and your partner is another part of the bun and you're wearing these huge get-ups. Um, and one partner is just laying down and the other one has to collect all the ingredients. And at the end, they jump on top to complete the burger. Anyway, it was so funny. We had Izzy at Center Ice. We were just giggling the whole time. But um, it's just been such a joy to bring Izzy around, um, but also just celebrate with our teammates and getting to spend time together postseason. Both sides of playing that game, the championship game at Mullet. You know, it's it's an NHL barn, well, NHL slash college barn. Um, I know it's not the biggest NHL barn, but like there's an atmosphere there. Like there's a real, it's a high-end rank as much as some people might disparage the Coyotes. Like that's a nice facility. And yet you probably would like to have done it also in front of your home fans as well. Like where's the, where'd you come out on that one? Was there, you got that celebration after the fact yeah. or would you have rather played a few more games in front of the home fans? I mean, yeah, I think, I don't know. Like, I think it would have it would have been pretty cool to play it at York. But like you said, at uh, like Mullet Arena, I know it technically wasn't built to be an NHL arena, but it I, it's one of the like I think probably the nicest rink that I've ever that I've ever played in. I don't know why. Just it had a really cool atmosphere to it. I don't know if it was the colors or or what, but the ice was super good too. It's like a, a pretty new barn, so it was it was nice. And it, like you said, the only real differences between a real NHL rink it just doesn't have as many seats, but in terms of like the experience on the ice and what it felt like, it's definitely up there with one of the the nicest rinks I played in. And as and as you said, Carly, you got to celebrate with the home fans when you got home. Was that reception like? Oh, it was awesome. Well, it was just nice. I mean, you know, I felt like we got to celebrate a lot through like social media and all that after we had won at Mullet. Um, but to actually be in our space with our fans who would come out to almost every game, I mean, that was pretty special. I mean, like my billets got to come and, and be there and actually. One of my billet moms, um, she's a Mountie, and she was able to put on the whole uh, uniform and everything and come out, and she was able to carry the cup out onto the ice and uh, be there with us. So, I mean, being able to share that with the people who support us all year long, I mean, that was a really special thing. How have you seen that fan base grow over this year and and the support that you've gotten from the community and the support for the league as well? Have you seen that grow this year, obviously on ESPN and all the exposure that comes with that for the past couple of years? Tough coming out of a pandemic. Obviously, things were different for everyone, but as we've gotten closer to normal and fans are back in buildings, and like, how have you seen that growth? I guess from a fan perspective, as somebody on the ice competing and looking around and seeing the support, uh, and then maybe part two, and you guys can split this up, the growth in terms of the support for you as athletes in your games. Yeah, well, I guess I could start like being here last year. We obviously, with COVID and stuff, some of the, there was time periods where like in Shauna, we couldn't have any fans. So I feel like that kind of uh, affected our, like our fan base a little bit because we would have a stretch where we could have fans and then no fans and then they could come back. So I feel like it wasn't like super consistent, but definitely last season we had a, a couple of games where the, the place was pretty full. Um, but this year I would say it was a lot more consistent and obviously, you know, COVID things kind of, go away so that makes it a little bit easier but you know even for Sunday games you're seeing like pretty good turnouts at York which uh, obviously our whole team appreciates and it makes it that much more fun to play in those games so um, yeah I definitely saw saw an increase in in fans from last year and then over the course of this season as well do you want to take the one about the yeah I mean it's just I love playing at home. I love playing at Canland. I mean, there's just so many games. I think there's been moments in every game, home game that we've had, where there's been a big goal or a big save or some sort of play, and it feels like the whole place explodes. 
like all the fans get up and they're so into it and it's just it, it creates such an exciting atmosphere to play in and I think it energizes our team so I think be able to have consistent fans um is just awesome and such a joy so I think and I think also as the year went on the stands got more and more full you know as we were winning as our team was doing well um we got more engagement we got more people we got a few super fans people wearing like these giant mullets and these onesies and all kinds of signs and things like that so it adds a really uh unique part to the game for us as athletes but I think the fan experience is also um increasing in quality and and just in fun what about from a goalie development standpoint you know I I, I'm not sure like how much support do you have we see you know in the NHL like we're we're a couple years removed (laughs) from not every team having development coaches you know Mm -hmm. in the American League um for you guys what did you see in terms of like, do you have a goalie coach? Do you work with each? How do you, how do you continue to develop your games in a position that is constantly evolving? Yeah. Um, so we have uh, Nick Granger. He was our goalie coach this year. And I'll tell you what, the guy is a beauty. I, no, I know him. I've seen him on social media, yeah. so I know exactly who you're talking about. That's awesome. Yeah. And from day one, I was just like, this guy, this guy knows his stuff. He makes it simple, but it all makes sense. And he's not trying to, you know, switch up the whole recipe. He just finds things for you. And, and for both of our games, that works for us individually. Sometimes the same thing works for both of us. Sometimes he's able to adapt in other ways. But he's a brilliant guy. I love working with him um, and being able to have him out. We'd had him out typically once a week, and it was just awesome. So we would be able to get our own end and work with him for sometimes an hour, sometimes an hour and a half. And, I mean, it was huge, I think, at least in, in my development this year. I mean, it was a joy to work with him. And then I think we've learned a lot from each other, um, just from mindset. Yeah talking between periods from talking after games all kinds of stuff but that's been I think also the the biggest thing is to be able to have a goalie partner who you can bounce ideas off of you can chit chat we send each other clips on Instagram being like have you tried this or what do you think and I think that's that's a really uh really quite a gift yeah I would agree to that too like last year we didn't have a goalie coach like we had this year so um being able to bring have Nick come in and and him work with us um he obviously knows his stuff and He's not, uh, like CJ said, he's pretty pretty good to work with. He doesn't try to reinvent the wheel by any means, um, especially if I have a tendency to overanalyze. But I've never had a, a goalie partner like CJ where I bounce um, ideas off of so much or like, you know, even in the game, be like, hey, this feels weird or that feels weird. or um, So I really uh, I really valued that relationship this year. Um, and, and I definitely think it was really good for both of us. Okay, so I'm going to put you on the spot here then. Um, Carly, you said, you know, sharing Instagram clips. Have you tried this? Give me an example of one thing, whether it's off, it doesn't even have to be off Instagram. One thing that each of you does that the other maybe didn't at the start of this relationship that you picked up from each other. I mean, like I said, this position is, it's constantly evolving. We're always looking for new new tools in the toolbox, new ideas. So what did you bring to each other? Is there one thing each of you can give me that you added to your game that maybe wasn't there before you met each other, before you started working together? Mm -hmm. I have a funny one and I have one that I've really picked up and has helped me a lot. So one thing I think you and I joked about all year was there's this clip online. Um, So being in the RVH on your, your stick side, you know, you use your paddle pretty frequently. And we joked like, I think about halfway through the year, we found this clip and it was doing paddle down on your gloves hand side. And like being able to contort your body and be able to have the hip mobility to get your arm around. So we would always joke about it because the reverse is just, it's hard on the hips after a long season. But uh, <laughs> we would joke about it and be like, oh yeah, <laughs> we'd be at, like at the other end in practice and just 
go into that position. And I think we would always laugh when we did that. But um, I can't really do it. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. Just listening to the idea of it hurts. It, it does. It's a, it's a bit it's a bit tight. <laughs> but uh, something I think that Chu is phenomenal at and something I've been trying to develop in my game is she's able to read high shots and stay on her feet. I mean, we're not huge goalies by any means, and particularly, I'd say we're somewhere around the average, maybe, for the women's game. But um, she has an incredible ability to stay on her feet and um, be able to just stay so composed. And you know, even sometimes in the slot, she'll read these shots and just cover them with her chest, or be able to smother rebounds that um, most goalies might just go down automatically, and it'll go bar down. Um, so I've been trying to develop that patience just by watching her do her thing, and uh, it's been a really valuable skill to learn from firsthand. Okay, so that one is, there's a thread I'm pulling on because that's, I mean, this is what the game's all about, right? At every level right now, it's about patience. And we hear a lot of coaches talk about it. We hear a lot of goalies talk about it. How do you develop it? How do you learn it? I'll go to you, Elaine. Like, what do you think are your keys to that patience that Carly's talking about? And then uh, I'll follow up by asking Carly how she's added it to her game. So how, how, where do you think that comes from? Like, what's the yeah. source of that for you? Well, for sure. Like CJ mentioned, like, especially now, I feel like we're kind of almost on the shorter side. Like you even see girls now that are like six foot, six one um, that we're playing against. And they obviously they do take up more net, which but there's also downsides to it as well. But just something Nick and I had kind of started like playing around with like the last few years and just, you know, realizing like a shot that beats you bar down, like realistically, if you just didn't move it's going to hit you in the shoulder or hit you in the chest. And it's just kind of like picking up on the, on the release and, and reading it right away and being like, okay, I, I don't need to drop right away on this shot. Now, obviously there's shots in tight where you're probably going to be going dropping anyways, but we just kind of started playing around with it and, and realizing like, okay, I fill up a lot more net. So if I can read that this shot's going high, I don't need to butterfly on this. And I think there was a time there where... I'll just refer to the NHL because that's what I primarily watch. But where goalies were just dropping on everything. And then you start to see guys like Flurry or things like that that kind of start standing up a little bit more or doing things a little bit, you know, that that other goalies weren't doing. So we kind of just started started playing around with it. And it's it, you know, it, it works. You can't you definitely have to be totally in the zone because, you know, you did from the slot, especially like you, you know, you can't if you're thinking on a shot from that close, like you're going to you're not going to be able to to make that read. But um, I definitely I mean, CJ didn't lose a game all year and I definitely saw her make like numerous saves each each of those games where she's just made good, like made a good read on her feet. And it's just like a simple standing blocker saver, like a simple um, shoulder save instead of, you know, trying to have to make these crazy saves by going down and then going to get the puck. So, I mean, not dropping by default, having patience to hold edges until that puck's off the stick. Exactly. Carly, how like it's that that tends to be easier to say than it is to do. How'd you how'd you get comfortable with that? I mean, a lot of the things Elaine talked about to me sound a lot like, you know, some of the box control principles that we hear, understanding how much of the net you fill up, and that a lot of shots, if you don't when we move or when we drop, we actually open that net. So How'd you get to that point, Carly, where you felt more comfortable making those patient stand-up saves? Yeah, I think uh, I think it's two different things. One, physically, I think narrowing my stance has been um, a huge help. That way I'm not so spread out or my, my center of gravity is just a little bit more concise and I feel that I have a better balance. So I'm not defaulting to the butterfly. 
Whereas I find when I get really wide or maybe there's a scramble play, typically you end up down in most of those situations because your feet are so wide. So it's hard to go up if you need to go that direction when you're, uh, you're spread too wide. So I've been really trying to narrow the stance, especially on rush plays. And I think that's been a huge thing to help with staying on my feet. And then the second thing is mentally. Like I find if you're, you know, gripping your stick too tight or you're just shaking your hands all the time, then it can be, you can almost react too early or react too late in that sort of sense. So developing, um, I guess developing the confidence just through practice of trusting your instincts and trusting your ability to react to the the save. I'd be curious if you feel like those things are related um, because when you talk about locking in, like when I think of wide, I think of getting a little locked in. And when we get low and wide as goaltenders, we tend to tense up. And so when you talk about narrowing and also reducing some of that tension and being more relaxed, like, do you feel like they go hand in hand a little bit? Absolutely. And honestly, something that's been a bit of a trigger for me is I think, so I'm also a baseball player. So if you think about like a shortstop, any infielder in baseball, there's always a rhythm to it, right? They're taking a couple steps in, they take a hop on the pitch and they get ready to react, but they don't. Like if you ever watch an infielder in the major leagues, like they don't start with their glove on the ground, right? They start in an athletic position and then they're able to react whether they need to go to the ground, they need to run backwards, run forwards. It's always just they're coming to a position where they can react to anything. And I think goaltending is very similar. Like you're not always making a glove save, blocker save. Sometimes you're heading out behind the net to retrieve the puck or whatever it is, but just putting yourself in a position to mentally be ready for anything and then physically also being ready for anything. So your ready position, so to speak, in goaltending has become narrower and taller, which mm-hmm. leaves you less locked in and more likely to go to the ice. That's exactly. sound like a fair summary? I would, and, I would agree with that, yeah. <laughs> and now I have to ask, because uh, the instinct is going to be catcher because it's so related, but I'm thinking that based on the way you answered that question, we're thinking like hot corner, third base, or middle infield. Yeah, on the hot corner and middle infield. I've, I would say... Third base has been my niche, and I'm probably more skilled at that position, but I've gravitated back and forth between short and third uh, the past couple of years, and then um, I'm a closing pitcher, so I like to come in right at the end and just throw a few and get a little, all over. little music coming in out of the bullpen and Always. yeah, shut it all down. Okay, so now I got to go to – so now we know your other sport. Elaine, any other sports for you, uh, whether it was growing up or anything you still like to do? Because, you know, obviously you both are established as professionals now – um, but we see it at, at, at too often at too young an age where kids are forced to, to pick one. And it sounds to me like Carly's found a nice balance between the two that probably help her in each sport. Um, was there anything you played growing up or were you goalie all the time? No, no, I, I played like mostly all sports, like basketball, soccer, track and field, volleyball. I kind of did it all. And then in high school though, I ended up picking just cause a lot of the stuff like I played soccer, but then, you know, when you started having, like, Ontario trials or things like that, they always interfered with the soccer schedule starting up. So it kind of just got uh, got hard to do, like, full to the level I wanted to. So I would say around grade, like, 10, I just switched to hockey. But I still, like, golf and in all those things or, you know, th- that. But golf's a little easier because I can kind of just go when I want to go. Um, and then, obviously, it's... I started doing like CrossFit too. I don't know if people that a sport or not, but I use that for my for my training. So um yeah, between that and golf and uh and hockey, I'm I've got a, a lot going on. Okay, so I digressed here by getting into other sports. 
we heard what Carly added to her game based on watching you and playing with you. How about vice versa? Is there anything she did that you put into your game over the course of this season that you found helped? Yeah, absolutely. So CJ, like she said, well, with the the paddle down uh, on the glove side, but further than that, with the the reverse, CJ, she's such a good skater. Um, honestly, one of the best, one of the best in the game that I've seen um, in terms of hitting reverses, getting in and out of them. So it's something for me that's not, I wouldn't say that's the strong, stronger part of my game. I don't know. I just, I never really honed in on them a ton. I kind of just, but I watching CJ do it and then knowing for me, like, okay, I need to, I need to work on this too so that I, I can look a little more comfortable um, going into reverse and making those saves. Cause especially now in the women's game, we see a lot of times where players are making shots from dead angles that honestly, they just weren't making you know, five, seven minutes ago. Like now, you'll have players that are trying to bank it in off you, or they're they're aiming for like that little hole that's right beside your head. Um, where you know, kind of in college, I never really players were maybe a couple players were were trying to do that at the time, but you're just seeing now at the professional level, those players can make those shots. So definitely, just cleaning up, um, cleaning up those things. And honestly, even bigger to that, I would just say. Um, so, like not a technical piece, but just her like mental approach to the game. Um, a lot of times during these, I would you know say, "Hey, I'm kind of feeling feeling not like a hundred percent today, or or, or just things are bouncing funny." And and CJ always had like a super good good response to kind of get me back dialed in, and uh, so I really appreciated her her mental approach and response to the game as well. CJ, where does that come from? Um, we talk about it, you know. It's much like patience, right? Like the easiest thing to say, like be more patient. Don't go down on every shot. One shot at a time mentality. When our minds start going to other places, how do we get back to the next shot, next save mentality? What were some of the things that uh, you helped Elaine with and that you use as a mindset to stick with that? Um, I think just perspective and just from my own experience. I mean, like sometimes I think a few topic that's come up a few times between us is you know, you can't always bring like your A game. Sometimes it's your B game, right? And you need to figure out how to make your B game able to win games for your team. So it's like, okay, the puck is bouncing around. Okay, it's not really, maybe you're not catching pucks clearly or cleanly. Maybe it's kind of bouncing out of your chest. It's like, okay, stop having the expectation that you need to be perfect. You might be fighting pucks today, but all you have to do is just fill that space and let it hit you. And just different things that I've like experienced. Like I've had games too where, you know, it just feels like you can't catch a puck no matter how hard you try. Um, but you still have to give it your all. You can't give up and you can't expect yourself to be perfect. But I think if you let go of that expectation, then um, you're able to just play your game and you're able to bring the best of your B game um, or maybe even bring it back up to an A. Who knows? Right. But I think um, just being able to provide a little bit of perspective and be like, listen, your B game still really good, man. You can do this and just buy into it. Just go head first, eyes closed, can't lose. Um, and I think it just lean into it, right? Yeah, just lean into it. So I think just having somebody nearby that that you work with all the time, I think that that can be such a gift and it can just help you help steer you back into the right direction to get you going back into your game. Uh, any examples that you can think of where you're in a game and you weren't feeling and that like gets you back to your A game? Like, are there, I'm trying to think of how that mindset, I'm trying to think of examples where it might mana have manifested it self for either of you well i can think of one right off the hop it was our first game back after the break we were in montreal and 
I after the first period, I think I don't know if they were up one nothing. I can't exactly remember, but I came to the locker room and CJ and I were sitting beside each other. We were on the road, and I was like, CJ, I'm just not feeling it. I was like, I don't know. Things, I feel weird. Like pucks are pucks are hitting me, bouncing all over the place. I feel like I'm can't see things. Like, and she was like, Yeah, just lean into it. Like that's okay. Just just fill the net up and uh, like do what you need. To, like do what you can. It's chill. And then we went out there. I think we won. I think we went in a shootout that game. We did. And just just kind of like further to what she said, like I just listened to a podcast with Honor Carrick and he was saying um, he played for the Leafs. Now he's in the Bruins farm team. But he was saying like you're not always going to have your A game. So like making your B plus game or your B game, like that's more more often than not, that's the game that you're going to be having. So just making sure that that's at a level that's better than, you know, better than what anyone else's E game is. But just goes back to like, you're not going to feel 100% every night in there. So you just got to battle and find a way to still get it done for the group. For Neil. So um, for either of you, how do you make sure you're like, when you talk about just, you know, it hits you or whatever, like, how do you, like, what do you think of as your B game? And how do you, like, are there foundations to it? Like, hey, if I'm not feeling my hands, like you said, pucks are popping out of my glove. Is it positioning? Is it skating? Is it technical? Like, what is that foundation that you have that's like, hey, this is my B game. And then when everything else is great, I get to all these spots, but also my hands feel good and my eyes feel good and things like that. Like, how would you, what advice would you give to other goalies that are like, okay, how do I find my B game? How do I find that foundation that allows me to have a base level that I can still succeed with? How I think about it is I think of the net in kind of like four different quadrants. And during my A game, to be honest, I'm not really thinking about this too much. I'm like, oh, sweet. I can catch. I can make glove saves. Like I can even maybe windmill. It's good. It's all chill. Um, But if I'm struggling, I'm like, okay, think about this mathematically. Right. So there's four quadrants to the net. The top right, the bottom right, top left, bottom left. And I'm like, okay, if I'm not seeing pucks well, if I'm not catching pucks well, I'm like, okay, read the quadrant, put your body in that space. So it's like, okay, you see a high glove side, right? It might not be a perfect, you know, eyes to glove save, but maybe it's an elbow, maybe it's a shoulder. I'm just trying to fill my whole body into that space. Um, and I find that that provides a simpler outlook onto what might be happening because I don't have to be so precise. It's just like, okay, this is the information, read, react. Um, and it for me mentally, it just makes the game a lot simpler. Um, it makes just the options seem a lot less. And uh kind of just keeps me rolling even if something bad happens or I might struggle with something I'm like no stick to the plan and just keep moving forward so even if your hands aren't feeling good that night you're still shifting your body into the majority of pucks you're moving into that space which sounds like sounds like not a bad foundation to have anyways you're moving in the direction you need to be moving regardless and then when the hands come back everything's perfect yeah I would say like honestly just like there's games like CJ said where you just like feel like you're not gonna let anything in. You're everything's clean. Like you're just making clean saves. They feel good. You're seeing the puck. And then there's days where I'm like, Elaine, you're just gonna have to battle this one out, and you're just gonna have to do everything to get in front of it. So I kind of just try to keep it simple. Kind of turn by myself, and like it's a lot when you don't have your ADD. You kind of it's easy to start overthinking. So it's really just turning turning my mind off and thinking about okay, like. The goal here today is to give the team a chance to win. Um, even if I don't feel the game, like we still need to give them a chance. So just like getting, yeah, just keep it simple and get in front of it. Uh, and, and that's about it. 
can I ask, and this is in the 27 minutes I've known you two, I hope I'm not off base here. Elaine, are you a bit of a perfectionist? You'd mentioned earlier overanalyzing things and has Carly helped you let go of some of that? Because it can be a good thing as a goaltender, but it can get in our way at times as well. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a little psycho. Like people are like, oh, you let a goal and you got to let it go. And I'm like, I never let that go. (laughs) I know all the goals and I'm mad about all of them still. (laughs) So yeah, it's been good that uh, Abby, she definitely... Keeps me more, kept me more level-headed this year uh, when things maybe weren't weren't going so well or bad goal goes in. Um, so yeah, that's that's an accurate uh, assumption. So so for each other, you serve the role of goalie coaches for each other as well as sports psychologists. This feels like the perfect goalie partnership. Yeah, I would agree with that. Now, but very different people. Obviously, like I said, like I like I, you know, it sounded like um, Elaine you're very like you said focused on a specific way of playing and and Carly you've you've got this there's a feel to how you play as well as technical i love the quadrant breakdown was it instant that you got that you you sort of gelled and were able to find this or you know for goalies who have new partners every once in a while and they're trying to get to know each other and how to best work with each other some of their advice there was this i'm guessing this wasn't like right out of the box everything fit perfectly like to get to the point where you trust each other to have these conversations, how'd you get there? What advice would you give other people to try and bridge that gap and build a relationship that's obviously as beneficial as this one? Yeah. I mean, I can tell you the first time I saw Chu play was, um, I was at Maine and it was my red shirt year and she went to UConn. Yeah. And so I was up, you know, doing the stats on the computer (laughs) and I remember (laughs) watching her and she was like the first goalie I had seen, I think in college hockey where I was just like, man, I could watch her play all day. I could watch that goalie play. She is fun to watch. And didn't know really who she was at the time other than my opponent. Um, But I didn't really think too much about it. And then, you know, I saw her throughout the years. We played against each other for a couple of years in the PHF. Um, I think we had had a couple of training sessions or practices or something. But I think, honestly, it was kind of a vibrate away. I think we just have a lot of respect for each other. And then um, being able to spend time together through um, just being on the same team, but also the same practices, um, goalie sessions, all that. You just continue to foster and build that relationship. And um, I think we also became a lot closer this year was uh, we had like a lift group before and after practice. And we were in like the early bird group at 630. And um, that was always that was always a really fun time. And being able to spend time together there was uh, was just great to just be able to chirp each other, you know, have some fun, ask each other how we're feeling and um, take some pre-workout. Yeah, take some pre-workout. <laughs> I mean, it's all the little things, right, that develop the relationship with your partner. But just understanding that you're both you're both there for the same thing. You're both there to to help each other and to help the team. And um, I think we both really hold that value strongly um, in our own morals. So having that connection was a great foundation to build off of. If you can get along with somebody at six thirty a.m. on a consistent basis, you can get along with them at any time. I gotta ask though, going back to being on your computer and watching her play, what about her game stood out to you? Like, what was it that made you go, man? Like, I really like watching this goalie play. Mm-hmm. She battles. She battles. She has that extra intensity that it's very hard to teach where it's just there's no delay in the instinct of puck bounces off me. She's already going before you think of the word go. Um, and I think that that makes her so fun to watch and also makes her very hard to score against. Where does it come from, Elaine? Where does that part come from? I don't know. I'm just like when I get on that ice, I'm in a 
I'm a, in a different mindset than any other time. I, I don't know what comes over me, but I feel like I have to, two, there's two different people. There's Elaine on the ice and Elaine off the ice. And I don't know. I think it's just, I've always had that kind of screw you, you know, uh, mentality uh, when it comes to stopping the puck. So, um, and, and just to add to what uh, CJ said as well, I like, I totally think we, you know, we had a good bond, like right from the beginning. It's like, we kind of just like there was a, a respect there. Like I respect her. I've watched her play the last, especially the last two seasons um, with Buffalo, and obviously with a stud there, and and then coming in here. So um, and and you know it's it's just like me being a good person um, to your bully partner. I think that's that's huge. Like there's no obviously you know you're competing against each other a little bit, but at the same time you're on the same team, and that's the bigger piece. You're on the same team. The goal is to win, regardless of of who's playing or what's going on. So I think we just kind of, you know, built that right away that, hey, we respect each other. We're both going to battle it out and make each other better. Okay. Uh, gear preferences. Like how do you get, do you guys talk about that too? You're talking about technique. You're talking about mindset. Do you get into the gear talk? Like is gear a big, like every goal is different, right? Like uh, the, you don't have to be Ichiro Suzuki storing your bats in a, you know, like a humidor between at-bats baseball reference there for Carly. Um, but different goalies, different things. Like some of them want to know every little detail. Someone just give me whatever, whatever, whatever I wore last year and I'll keep playing. Where do you guys geek out on gear or or no? I'm seeing some smiles. No, yes? Yeah, yeah. I mean we're both Vaughn guys, so we both wear Vaughn pads. We both got new Vaughn pads this year. Um I think we actually wear the same model. They're just skinned differently. Okay. Um, so I we both have the SLR threes. Um minor skin is just a retro but yeah, we're always talking about like, I mean, it would be nice to get gear like every year, right? Because we mostly talk about like the breakdown of gear and sometimes over the year, the pads feel a lot different. Like even two months into the season, they feel different than when you first got them. And especially with travel and flying on airplanes and moving around a lot, your gear like tends to get squished and smushed and in ways you probably don't want them to be. And, um, but yeah, we, I mean, we have a lot of similar gear preferences, which is nice to bounce ideas off of, but, uh, but yeah, we I think we definitely get into the gear talk. So they did a good job with that retro set because I assumed, honestly, mm-hmm. watching that you were in a would have been in a softer, more flexible pad just based on the retro look of it. And there you go. So this is I learned something there. I looks can be deceiving on the on on the Vaughn equipment. So um that a challenge, like in terms of one set of gear, I'm guessing you would have been used to that from college as well, would have faced a similar challenge in terms of probably not getting multiple sets. I know. You know, even on the men's side, too, various leagues where they will order something knowing it's got to last the year versus, say, in the NHL where I'm watching guys with five, six sets of gloves in their locker at any one time, and they can always have a fresh set. Yeah, I mean, I've always been a fan of, like, I've tried the soft pad. I've tried the hard pad. I like the hard pad. I've been using I've been using the SLR since my sophomore year of college um, from the... I think it was, it was from the two right up into the three or the one, two and the three actually. And um, yeah, I'm a huge, huge fan, but I, I'm, I'm a gear, I'm a gear kind of freak. Like I love getting new stuff. I love trying new stuff. I like, I got to try a set of shoes this year and I compared them to Vaughn and I will say with Vaughn, I find that the quality tends to last. Um, I have, I've been with Vaughn, I think for seven or eight seasons now. So I have only really demoed other sets, but um, their stuff lasts really well. And like, um, I was blessed this year. I got two sets of gloves and I'm able to, you know, sub them in and out if I need to. But uh, 
yeah i just i i love getting new gear the feeling of something fresh is just so fun it's like it feels like you just i don't know bought a new car but goalie version it, this is part of being a goalie right this is this is what we love about the position most of us like there's there's an attachment. Did gear play a role in starting? Like, uh, maybe we'll go to you first, Elaine. How'd you become a goalie? How'd you fall in love with the position? I don't know if gear played a role or just being the last person. I don't know. Like, all I remember really, and this kind of came full circle on uh, on Sunday, but all I remember is watching the Leafs uh, with my dad growing up, and I was just like the biggest Curtis Joseph fan, like, he was, I would draw pictures of him. Everything was about him. I would write about him. I tried to invite him to my birthday party when I was in like grade three or four. And uh, it was Cujo everything. Like I have the most ridiculous drawings of him that I made. It's math. I have posters of him. And uh, actually Sunday, I read his book and everything. And then Sunday, uh, we were at the leaf skating with, uh, with the cop. And I saw that he was there. I saw him on the Jumbotron. So I took, yeah, I took Izzy and walked around the suite until I found the Leafs alumni suite and banged on the door and uh, asked if uh, Cujo was in there, and he was, and I was able to go in and chat with him and get a picture. So um, honestly, I think he's the reason I was a goalie. I don't even know why I liked him so much, but uh, he was just my guy growing up. So Well, we're going to go with cool gear because Cujo always had cool gear too. So that just fits. That yeah, fit. I liked his mask. Oh. I liked his mask for sure. That was definitely good. Uh, what, what about you, Carly? Um, where did where did it start for you? Where did the passion start? Um, I started loving hockey from my dad. I used to go watch him play shinny like early in the morning, and he was always such like a really beautiful skater. And I love the sounds of skates on the ice. So that's like where I started with hockey. And then I was actually playing house league, and you know everybody had to sub in to play goalie. I think I was nine years old, and anyway, I went in, played the game. Had a blast, so much fun that I actually slept in the gear that night in my bed. And my dad had come in to check on me and he just saw this like massive lump in the bed and he realized that I had worn all of the hockey gear into bed. Um, so then after that, it was just, you know, it was pretty much from that point on. But I loved uh, I loved Eddie Belfour because of his mask with the big eagle. And then uh, Bernie Bedore was just, I adored him. I was so obsessed. I collected all his hockey cards and I just loved his pads that, I think someone in my town had had like a replica of his mask and I just was like obsessed with it. I was like, oh my God, that is so cool. Like he's the best. And anyway, I just love watching him play and just fell fell in love very fast and very early. Early influences. Obviously we've, we've got sort of the inspirations that got you into the game. Um, what about from a playing style perspective? Uh, we see a lot now kids will have goalie coaches from seven, eight, nine years old. Uh, when did you go from just loving the position and wanting to play the position to get into a point where, you know, you were thinking about things like a reverse or quadrants or how to manage my net? How did you walk us through that transition? Maybe start with you, Carly. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I loved the gear initially. Just was a huge fan, um, and I actually worked with Alexander goaltending in. Uh, Moncton, New Brunswick for for quite a few years still now to this day in the summertime and um, I remember those guys just being so smart and once they introduced uh, the ideas of concepts and strategies I was just dialed in I'm like oh my god you know there's a rhyme and reason to what you do <laughs> and uh, I just loved it I just love to learn that part of it and um, I always just had had such a blast with that and so David Alexander obviously for those who hear that but don't know a goalie coach with the St. Louis Blues I've I've been lucky enough to 
host a couple of webinar things with Hockey Canada over the years with with David and his dad as well is still heavily involved in that. So that's yeah, they are brilliant, brilliant people, and they're so kind and um, so genuine. And as soon as I met them, I think they actually it was John. He had run a free clinic in in my town, my small community, and I remember going out and I think he called me Granny because I was so slow. And uh, I loved it. I had this huge smile on my face and he was just chirping me and, and uh, I loved working with him. And then I tried to get on the ice with him as much as I could and um, was able to foster that relationship. And um, I mean, they're, they're brilliant and Dave's doing so well. He won a cup uh, back with St. Louis. I think it was 2019 and I was able to actually go to the celebrations with him for that. So that was a really special thing to, to share with him. I'll never forget Jake Allen telling me years ago, like that this guy is a great coach and look out for him. And sure enough, like you said, Stanley cup, national hockey league uh, for you, Elaine, uh, where, where, when did you, when did you go from just, Hey, I'm playing the game. I love the game. I want to be Cujo to, Hey, Cujo got up off the wrong foot all the way to the final couple of years of his career. Maybe I should be doing proper leg recovery. Like, where'd you, where'd you find that line? Yeah, honestly, I feel like I still like, I feel like a part of me that, that, they'll be successful is because I, I kind of do just, I don't think about those things. And I do just kind of like, okay, I'm just going to, you know, play goalie and, and stop the puck, whatever that looks like. Like, I wouldn't say I'm the most technically sound in terms of like, you know, oh, she skates perfectly or this or that. But I think sometimes we can get too wrapped up in those things. So I think I'll play, you know, advocate here. I think devil's advocate. I think maybe I, I kind of still do a little bit of just like, hey, I'm just, I'm just playing the game and having fun. Um, like the reverse of things like that, it didn't really come in until I was, you know, in college. So stuff that kind of you're, you know, you see a new move, can I implement my game? But like at the end of the day, you know, you just got to stop the puck and get in front of it. Um, uh, like I, I think of something like the Panda move or whatever that came out at the end of last summer, which was like a mix between the a reverse and an overlap. And it's like, you know, I don't know. Personally, I'm like, do you really need a name for this? Like, you just, you know, you're either in an overlap or you, you know, you're hitting a reverse. You feel packed right. Like, I don't think we need to over overanalyze. You know what I mean? Okay, we're not going to take that personally because that article may have originally appeared at ingolmag.com. So, <clears throat> it's all right. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm, 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 I'm totally just kidding. Um, but it, it, I, I love it. I love it. I love the fact that um, there is, like... It's funny because when you said you overanalyzed things earlier, I would have assumed you were the more technical and that you overanalyzed it that way. When you say overanalyzed, you're thinking, you were thinking more in terms of just not wanting to get scored on. Yeah, I'm like, when I like overanalyze, I'm like thinking like more mental. Like, okay. I don't, I don't know. I don't really watch my clips and go, oh, I should have done, you know, maybe it's more like a depth issue or like, like CJ said, getting too wide and then you can't move or it's like, okay, I didn't make a good read on that release of the thought on that shot. Like she showed me glove, she or a, or like she came around it this way. And now it's like, okay, I can read it it's going this way. Um, more so than like specific, like techniques of like save selection, I guess. Reads, reads, pro reads. We got those at Ingle too. So we'll have to, we're, I, I'm smelling, a, I need to get footage now so we can do pro reads with the both of you. Walk us through how you read the game and how you anticipate and how you're able to play at such a high level, how you read where that shot is going. These are all key parts to goaltending. And I think, like you said, when we get too technical and too wrapped up and, and caught up in 
technical and tactical components, sometimes we lose that ability to read the game. And it sounds like both of you do that at a high level in terms of reading and anticipating. Yeah, for sure. Like, I think, like, to defend the panda a little, I think I probably make those panda scenes, you know, five times a game, right? It's just like, we don't call it that. So it's like, for me, I I'm, I sent the, the clip of it to Nick, uh, Grace did our goalie coach last summer, and I was like, Nick, there's this new thing. And he's like, no, no, this is like, this isn't new. This is just, it's a term for it. But like, doing that kind of thing without thinking it. So I think for me, that's what's kind of key is like, you kind of just have to let your instincts take over and you end up doing all these things anyways. You know, once you're, if you're not thinking, you can play free and, and you, you just make those, those saves anyway, how they're supposed to make it. I love it. I love it. Those are all great lessons, great takeaways. Um, I've taken up, speaking of taking, uh, I've taken up way more time than I said I would for both of you. Um, I really enjoyed this. I know our audience is really going to enjoy it. What's the plan like now? I'll, I'll close on this. Um, how does the rest of your summer look? How much time do you give yourselves to celebrate, Carly? There's a baseball season coming up. How do you find that balance? And do you put the pads away? Like, you're champions. How do you keep that passion strong for being back on the ice when the season starts again next year? What does this summer look like? Yeah, so I might have a couple more skates uh, before I put the pads away for the summer, but I actually like to take a bit of a break. Um, I think I've done that my whole life of even if it's just a couple of months. And I think that that's kept my passion alive for the sport. Um, and it's only still growing, I think. And that's plays a role to be able to have a period of time where you're not just completely a hockey player. You're not skating all the time. You give your hips and your knees and your body a break. Um, and mentally you give yourself a break to step out of it. So that when you step back into it, it's like, like that first skate after I've been off for a couple months, I'm always like, Oh my God, I'm so excited. I can't wait to get there. Um, so typically I do that during baseball season. Um, it kind of just depends on opportunity. Like some summers I've skated nothing at all um, from June, May, June, July, and other summers, maybe once every two weeks or, or whatever during that time. But this summer it'll probably be maybe once every two weeks, give or take, maybe nothing at all. I'm not really sure yet. I haven't gotten it set up, but um, I will be training pretty much as a baseball player uh, from mid-May until the end of July. Uh, I'll still be doing all of my summer training off ice, um, stretching, mobility, strength training, cardio, that kind of stuff, uh, but be focused on baseball. And then as August kicks in, it'll be like, okay, gearing back up for hockey mode. And um, I'm always really excited during that time to get back on the ice. And um, I'm just, it just uh, there's always a fire during that time. It reminds me, that reminds me of Kerry who would just put it away you know, as soon as the Canadian season was over and he was adamant that stuff was in the garage until August 1st, he was fully ramped up. And as you said, doing all the work, but felt like that fire built up by not having the gear on until, until August. What about you, Elaine? Are you, do you, cause everybody's different, right? Everybody has to just like goaltending. There's no one way to play it. There's no one way to handle an off season. So how do, how do you approach it this off season? So our season started a little later in November and, uh, I, my pads are away and they'll be away for, for a while. Um, Probably August, I would think. Um, I'll focus on like the off ice portion, um, building up strength, conditioning, mobility, and then I like to give like my you know goaltending. It's such a non, it's not good for your body. I really don't think that. So give the hips and the knees like a, a well deserved rest, um, especially as you get older. And uh, yeah keep it fresh so like when we come back in, in August it'll be you know ready to go and I will still do some like vision training for my eyes 
in that time, like between now and August. But in terms of actually skating and stuff, I uh, I give it a break and uh, then I come back fully refreshed and uh, ready to go. See, I said that was my last question, but you just gave me another thread to pull on. So what do you do for vision training? What's the, because that's so key, right? Training your eyes and, you know, like, like they don't, they're like every other muscle. You got to develop it. What do you do? What yeah. Do you- so all through like college, I um, was doing like some convergence and diverly stuff, but it was all with like manual things, like whether that was a, like a 3D picture or like pendulum thing or beats that you would converge and diverge on. Um, but then. Uh, not this Cassie, but the one before, um, I started doing visual edge. Um, so I did that for last, so like the 21, 22 season. And then I also did that for this past year. Um, so I've got a subscription there and I go on and click the buttons. And it's all on the computer. Um, but I've found it super, super helpful, uh, the last couple Nice. Did you did you convert Carly? Is she a visual edge person now too, or no, not yet? Actually, this is funny. This is something we haven't really talked about vision training. Now that I'm thinking, this is one thing we haven't talked about. No, I, I actually started doing vision training this year um, through actually my agent who I'm signed with, um, with ProVision Sports Management, and so I would go into his uh, little complex, and half of the session would be on like a synaptic TV. So you'd be doing all the reaction stuff. You'd be doing like going for certain signals, not going for other signals, um, tracking from far away. And then we would spend the other half of our session actually in like a turfed gym-esque area with different, uh, I would call them, I guess, pylons with lights. And we would do be doing different drills where it'd be shuffling back and forth and um, kind of doing some agility stuff. And between touching the lights, movements, and then he would be throwing things at me um, and then as I progressed, I actually ended up wearing these goggles, the synaptic goggles that that flash. Um, so I found that that stuff was just is an extra tool to add to the toolbox, right? An extra way to train your body, to train your eyes specifically, um, to be to be stronger, to be able to go longer for longer for, for practices, for games, for seasons, um, where you don't always get so brain fo- so brain foggy or or feeling like you can't see pucks. And I think that that's where the biggest benefit has been. Okay, so there we go. I actually helped you learn something about each other today in in terms of how you do your vision training. I love it. I love it. Uh, I can't thank you enough for your time. Most of all, congratulations on winning the Isabel Cup. What a big, what a big moment for uh, for you, for the Toronto Six, uh, for the big tournament for the PHF. Thank you so much for all your time today. Thank you for sharing all the insights into the position. I know there are kids. They're going to be listening to this on their way to the rink with their parents, and they're going to hear ideas and triggers that are just going to click with them, and they'll try new things in their game. And I, and, uh, I can't thank both of you enough for spending the time uh, to share that with us and with them. Yeah, the pleasure is all ours. And um, do you mind if I just say a piece to any kids who might be listening? Yeah, I just I think in goaltending specifically, there's a bit of a stigma where it's like, oh, I need this piece of training equipment, or I need like to watch these goalies or that situation that I'm not in and can't learn because they don't have this. Um, I think it's important to remember that there you can learn something no matter where you are. You can learn something from your goalie partner. You can learn from something from the goalies you play against. You can learn something from your coaches, from your teammates. It doesn't even have to be goalie related. Um, but my piece of advice for young goalies coming up who want to learn is look at where you are around you 
analyze the situation, your environment you're in and find things that you can learn from because there's something there. There always is. And there's always people around you who you can build relationships with and learn from. Love it. Well said. Well said, Carly. Thank you so much to both of you. Like I said, there's so many takeaways here. Like there's more threads I wanted to pull on, but we're already like pretty much an hour here. I think that just means we need a part two. Um, Ingol needs to come up with yeah, a budget. Yeah, we can do a part two. Yeah, oh. we need to we need to come up with a budget to come visit the Toronto Six next season uh, and and get on Absolutely. the ice and have you share some of these tips with us because there was there was a lot of great takeaways in there and uh, like I said, uh, say it again, just really appreciate you both taking the time to share them with us and with our audience. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for having us. We appreciate it. Flying the wall. That's what that was. Just walking you through everything that has to do with goaltending from winning to training to love of the game. It was a really good interview. Really, like I said, they're both really busy right now coming off that championship. So uh, thanks from us. Thanks from our audience who I know isn't going to enjoy that interview as well to both Carly Jackson and Elaine Chuli. And congratulations again on the PHF championship. Um, we've got to find some time to do more with them. Uh, and with other goalies from the PHF from the, and from the PWHA, uh, we need to get more of that up at angolemag.com. It's a, it's a promise I've been trying to live up to for a couple of years now. Ironically, it's harder financially because we have to travel to go to them, whereas the NHL and the American Hockey League come to us. It's not an excuse. It's just the reality. Uh, it's just a lot easier when, when the other leagues bring the show to the backyard. So I think, uh, I need to make a push somehow to get one of those franchises here in Vancouver, or at least West of the freaking Rockies, So we can uh, have an easier time covering it. But, uh, our pledge to try and bring more of that to you, because, uh, like I said, great goalies with great thoughts on the position and the game and some great insights that any goalie male or female from minor hockey, right up to pro. Uh, can take away from that interview and be better for it. Unfortunately, we have to close the chapter on uh, a segment uh, or uh, an offering here on In Goal Radio, the podcast. Uh, Kevin, uh, we wish you the best of luck moving forward uh, as you get your tooth put back in. I'm and you will have so a full happy. set of teeth moving forward. I, I hope I didn't lead anybody to believe that Kevin was going anywhere because he's not, but he's going to have a full mouth to work with when it comes to speaking. I thought we were going to I thought we were saying goodbye to Cheech at this point. I thought this is going to be the John <laughs> Garrett, you know, tribute as he signs off in this, this next week for the last time in the Sportsnet Pacific broadcast. We do got to get him on the podcast, by the way. And um, he's offered in the past uh, one of the true beauties of the game, just an absolute gentleman. Uh, and I've always enjoyed his call. So this is a little selfish Vancouver moment shout out uh, as somebody who grew up and man have we been spoiled here in Vancouver Jim Hewson, Jim Robson John Shorthouse and John Garrett together on the broadcast what an absolute treat to listen to and I love as somebody who works in the media here in Vancouver the thing I loved about John Garrett was he brought all that old school wisdom he played the game at the highest level should have had an NHL all-star game MVP before Gretzky stole his car from him that one year but again <laughs> that's a story for him to tell us when we get him on the podcast, been there, done that um, with some of the greats of the game and has stories to tell and insights to share, yet never lost touch with that desire to learn new and modern. Um, and as somebody who came up as a quote unquote goalie guy in this market, uh, was always so kind to me. And there were some good lessons along the way about learning myself 
that it's not just new and technical, that all those other parts matter. And John had just had a way of doing it without, like there were times where I was wrong and he helped me see that I was wrong without making me feel bad for being wrong. And I'll always appreciate that. And despite the fact that he had all those stories and he probably could have just leaned on, rested on his laurels as a been there, done that guy, he was always talking to the goalie coaches too and trying to understand the modern game. And so I'm a huge fan of his as a, an announcer, um, but more so as a person. Our, our interactions weren't plentiful here in Vancouver just because the, the TV broadcast and the day-to-day didn't cross paths as often as it used to. Um, but in those early years, he was a really big help for me. So, uh, yes, we will miss John Garrett. And yes, we will we will miss my gap tooth smile because it is disappearing. Thank God, after close to a year here, I'm actually going to get a, a, a permanent replacement. I have a John Garrett replica mask on my wall. Uh, he's one of my best friends forever uh, in our 20 years uh, at Sportsnet and uh, shared a lot of memories. But uh, because he wore this fiberglass mask that was repainted over and over, so he doesn't even have the Hartford one because it got painted over with the Vancouver one uh, and the Quebec version, uh, he does not have all of his teeth either. So you guys have a, a bond on that uh, regarding fake teeth. Now, his comes out and pops back in. Yours is going to stay permanent, I think. Yes, and if you haven't already, check go go look go look on Twitter, Sportsnet Murph, Dan Murphy on Twitter, has a great photo of him and John Shorthouse and John Garrett with the teeth out uh, that he just put on the other day ahead of this, their sort of last week of broadcast together on the, on the Sportsnet Pacific um, regional channel. He's amazing. And uh, he is such a great teammate, one of the best teammates of all time in, in our business uh, on the broadcasting side of it. Uh, good luck with the uh, minor surgery. Hopefully it's minor. Uh, it's not what you went through before. And we look forward to uh, looking at you and uh, have you uh, really buying in to that apple. Bite into that apple uh, as soon as you can. Dude, uh, first uh, thing thanks. I'm doing is getting a steak. <laughs> thanks to Cam. Uh, thanks to Elaine, uh, as well as Carly. Uh, thanks to you for listening. And a really big uh, appreciation to uh, Kevin Woodley and David Hutchison, who make this happen every week on In Goal Radio, the podcast. <laughs>